This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be Nation, are you ready to rock? Well, you better be because you are back for another episode of Mickey Mount Rushmore here on the Pop Experience. I am your host slash moderator slash panelist for this episode, Steve Riddle, and we got a really fun episode to talk about as we are delving back into the world of music. And I have, uh, well, one uh, gentleman joining me, plus I have three um, by proxy in essence. Uh, first, we'll bring in the gentleman that is joining me. He has been on before. Actually, he was on with me last month to talk Halloween songs and horror films, and I'm glad to have him back. It is Mr. Ashley Cruz. Ashley, how are you, sir? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, good to have you on. This is a um, you. This is a top. These are a couple of topics that you definitely have some uh, some definitely uh, firsthand knowledge about. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, been playing music for thirty years, just as a hobby, and then kind of playing out some, making a little extra money on the side uh, as a musician too, and so. Yeah, I'm, I love rock music, so uh, that's a, a subject I can talk about forever if I mean, we were sitting in a bar somewhere. <laughs> hmm. Indeed, and um, as I mentioned, we do have um, – I did have three other lists here from uh, some gentlemen who were unfortunately not able to join us, but um, but they will be represented. Of course, uh, they are Mr. Andy Atherton uh, and Steve Bennett, who have both been on the show before another in some capacity, and a guy that we've not um, heard from before, but um, it would have been nice, uh, would have been cool to have him on, but I understand why not. Uh, Mr. Aaron George actually uh, brought, made, submitted a list as well, so um, so we got some varying uh, opinions here, and of course, we are, like, as I said, talking about music, and we are specifically going to be discussing lead singers and guitarists. Of course, these are the uh, what many people consider the uh, the two um, backbones of uh, of any rock band. Um, so we will start the first half here with the lead singers. Of course, these are the guys and uh, and gals that you uh, of course hear um, on the microphone um, singing out their um, their lyrics and bearing their souls to everybody. So um, Ashley, we will go ahead and uh, let you get started with the first entry on your Mount Rushmore of lead singers. Okay, well, I will probably go with uh, the one that came on the scene first chronologically. Um, he may not be considered as great vocally as singing talent, but as a frontman for a rock band, uh, it kind of starts with Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones as that quintessential rock and roll frontman, just out front singing usually not playing an instrument um, and the stage presence, the dancing, you know, getting the, the crowd in, your, in the palm of your hand. He kind of, I mean, they kind of started as a blues band, but I mean, they very quickly graduated into rock and roll. And I, uh, I think he's kind of the first re- true standout front man uh, in rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I did not have him on mine. In fact, um, looking here, only uh, Andy had him as an honorable mention. Um, but I mean, yeah, he just had you know, honestly, I mean, he is a good vocalist. And I mean, when you think of the Rolling Stones, you do think of him. And I mean, they've been doing right. it now for almost you know for pretty much for six decades. So, yes. um, you know, just one of those um, 
you know, just timeless bands that, you know, just keep, they keep going strong and, um, and just put out a new album and he still sounds great. <laughs> He's 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, you know, it's those guys, um, something about them, those guys, you know, you could I mean, you can see sometimes their age, but, um, you don't hear it all the time. So, um, so definitely, yeah. So I can definitely see, um, that he would make that why well, he would make your list. All right. Well, I will go ahead and now give my first entry on my Mount Rushmore, and this one is more of a um, this one's kind of a personal one for me, um, honestly, because he is the the lead singer of my uh, first and still favorite band of all time, and I did go with uh, one John Bon Jovi from Bon Jovi. Um, kind of, you know, kind of similar. You know, I think he's definitely somebody that's just, you know, when you hear him, he definitely. Um, you know, just puts all of the emotion into um, what he's singing. Um, but you just hear such, you know, great songs that they've done, you know, living on a prayer. Uh, you give them a band name, wanted dead or alive. Um, again, doing this for, you know, now for, you know, four decades, basically um, Bon Jovi is still, you know, kicking strong to this point. And, um, and, you know, when you think, I mean, he's the, definitely the front man, you know, the front of it all. Um, great, obviously, songwriter. Um, he and Richie were just so, um, you know, intertwined with each other for for all that, all those years. Um, you know, and a guy that's, you know, has really kind of carved a little good niche for himself outside of music, you know, as an entrepreneur and, um, you know, as a businessman and just as a, um, you know, sports franchise, you know, sports owner for a bit. Um I think, yeah, he just has everything that you would want. And he's definitely, you know, again, he's probably somebody that's, um, is not everybody's cup of tea. Cause I know Bon Jovi's not everybody's cup of tea, but again, for me, they were the first band I ever listened to. And, um, I just, you know, I still love him to this day and, um, he'll always be kind of one of those, those guys I associate with, with my love of rock and roll. Um, he did not make anybody else's list, but Ashley, do you have anything else to say about John Bon Jovi? Oh, I mean, Especially like the '80s, the hair bands. I mean, their big songs were huge. Um, and everything you said, whether they were the rockers or even the ballads, uh, he he sung his heart out on them. Um, then, when the music industry kind of changed, they took a break for a little while when grunge hit, and then they came back in like '94, '95, and were putting out hits even then. So, yeah. Um, I, he, he, some of the more recent stuff, I think he's been kind of shaky on. I've listened to some live stuff. But uh, uh, in his prime, he's very good. Yeah, I mean, like you said, these guys, you know, they do get older and um, obviously – they don't sound as good as they did, but um, but if you really want to just get the guy in his prime, like you said, yeah, just oh, yeah. go back to the go back to the to the to the 80s and you'll hear him in oh, his yeah. prime. So, all right, well, I'll go ahead and give uh, an entry here off. Um, actually, this will be off both Andy's and Aaron's list because they both had this guy on here, and he's a guy that I kind of toyed with. I just missed my cut for in terms of my honorable mentions, but I do think he um, he definitely has again, just such a distinct voice for such a distinct uh, time frame. Uh, so they both went with Steve Perry. Uh, of course, a uh, long time known for being the front man of Journey. Uh, of course, now he's currently on his own. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just, again, one of those guys that you, you he's so recognizable with his voice and you just you know, hear him 
you know, belts out some of the biggest hits of, you know, Journey, you know, um, obviously Don't Stop Believing, um, Wheel in the Sky, um, Open Arms, Separate Ways, and again, even his solo stuff, I mean, Oh Sherry is, you know, an iconic song, um, he's just, again, I think one of those guys you just associate with that, um, not with that time frame, and also, again, with, with the band, like I said, even though he's no longer a member of Journey, um, you obviously can't, you can't think about Journey, um, without thinking about Steve Perry, so, um, did you have anything else to say about Steve Perry? Oh, yeah, I mean, Steve Perry and Journey, I mean, that was their peak time period, definitely, I think they had a good 10-year run there with, with him, just, Vocally great. Um, I didn't list him on my list, but I kind of assumed someone else would. So uh, uh, at least he gets a mention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I agree. Like I said, he um, he just missed um, at least the cut for my honorable mentions. So, but yeah, I'm glad that um, at least Andy and Aaron mentioned him. Um, all right, so I'll go ahead and mention. Um, Give the first entry off of um, Steve Bennett's uh, list here, and this is a um, an interesting one that I didn't think about, but I can. Uh, I know obviously Steve being a little bit older, he um, he probably has a little bit more fondness for this guy than I think uh, than I think other people do, and he ended up going with um, Sebastian Bach. Uh, of course, uh, many know him as the uh, front man for uh, for Skid Row um, during the late '80s and early '90s. He didn't have, of course, has also has some uh, success as a solo star. Um, and has also appeared occasionally, you know, on uh, reality TV. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not. I've never really been the biggest Skid Row fan. I mean, I know obviously, but you know, some of their some of their stuff. So I haven't really heard much about um, heard much in terms of the way of uh, Sebastian of Sebastian Bach singing. Um, but like I said, I know um, Steve's kind of an older guy, so I can probably understand. I can understand why he would probably why he would put um, put him on his uh, on his Mount Rushmore. So. Um, did you have anything else to say about Sebastian Bach? Uh, you know, I've only probably heard their big songs, but he's a very good singer. Uh, he, can, he can especially hit the high notes very well. Um, and I think even as he kind of transitioned, when the music success wasn't going that great, he kind of did some, I think he was even doing like some Broadway shows, like musicals and stuff. And um uh, I heard that he was some people that went to those and said he sounded great. And this these were even in more recent times. So uh, I think he's still got it. So uh, I can't knock that pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, let's go back around now. Um, back to you. Uh, why don't you give us the next entry on your Matt Rushmore of lead singers? OK, um, I think this will be the next one. Uh, coming out about 1968. Uh, picking up the pieces of another band. Uh, this band emerged, uh, Led Zeppelin, and their singer, of course, was Robert Plant. And I think he's basically the quintessential hard rock frontman. I don't know how many countless bands in the 70s, you know, had a guy out front that had long, flowing blonde hair and sh- either shirtless or shirt open and tight jeans just out there wailing and, you know, uh, making the women swoon and, and the guys just pumping their fists in the air is, you know, he had the, uh, the vocal range. He could hit the high notes. And I mean, it didn't hurt that they had excellent songs as well. 
but uh, the ballads, the hard rockers. I mean, when you spawn so many imitators, uh, you're doing something right. So I had to list Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's that's a good pick. Um, he unfortunately did not make anybody. Um, actually, no, I, I was wrong. He did make. Uh, he made Andy's list. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean, when you think of, it's funny when you think of Les Zeppelin, you know, he's definitely, I mean, you think of him and Jimmy Page, who we might, uh, spoiler, might talk about in our next, uh, in our second half here. Um, but yeah, again, uh, Robert just had a, um, just had such a distinct voice that you, you know, when he was singing like Stairway to Heaven and, um, and Cashmere and all those other, uh, you know, all those other big hits of uh, Zeppelin's. And, um, and he, even after Zeppelin, um, you know, broke up, uh, he kept, you know, kept it going throughout you know the next several years you know with just you know solo stuff um doing other bands and of course um more kind of recent years of course his little uh, collaborations with um with bluegrass singer allison cross yes so so he's definitely um yeah yeah so you know he's a guy that i think um you know could have flamed out early after um after zeppelin broke up but he definitely um he definitely managed to carve out a good uh career for himself so definitely uh you know good pick there all right well i'll go ahead and uh give uh, my next entry on my mount rushmore and again this is a kind of a um a personal one for me again not a guy that's probably everybody's cup of tea um but i think for what he was able to to um to accomplish throughout his career and the um again the emotion that he brought um just kind of brought the his band to the forefront and a guy that sadly we um we lost way too soon uh and i went with chester bennington uh, of course uh, best known for being of course the lead singer of lincoln park uh he did have a couple of other side bands though that he was a part of and actually i don't know if any, m- many know this but he did have a brief run as um the lead singer for the stone temple pilots um for a little bit yeah, that right. wasn't a long run but um but he there he did do that but obviously you know lincoln park you know burst onto the scene of the 2000s had a great you know couple of, you know great couple of albums and um Again, you know, when you think about Lincoln Park, you just think of all of him just, you know, screaming his lungs out. But, I mean, if you really listen to him and listen to the lyrics, um, he really know how, knew how to put the emotion into everything, especially when he was doing, like, some of the, you know, softer hits of, you know, softer in quotes of Lincoln Park, you know, with, like, In the End and Numb and uh, uh, Breaking the Habit, and he just knew how to um, convey everything into um, what he was doing on the stage. He had a really good presence on the stage, and um, as I said, you know, unfortunately, you know, just somebody we we lost way too soon. Um, he ended up, you know, sadly taking his own life in uh, 2017. I remember being shocked and just sat, really saddened by that because I think it's, you know, he there was so much left on the table for Lincoln Park. Um, and what they could have accomplished. And I know that um, it was kind of, you know, you know, not many people knew that he was going through, you know, you know, some personal issues. And um, he was just a guy, again, some, you know, it's one of those things where they, you know, these got these artists are able to kind of, you know, in essence, kind of mask, you know, the pain they're going through just to make sure that they, you know, can entertain others. And he's definitely one that, um, that sadly his uh his legacy his um his legacy will be that of you know one of the being the lead singer for one of the hottest bands of the last 20 years and um just somebody that will i mean in essence he could be you know 
described as the voice of a generation. So um, that's why I had him on mine. I know he unfortunately did, he did not make anybody else's list. But um, did you have anything else you wanted to say about Chester Bennington? Um, you know, he had a very unique voice. Um, I think, like when they first came out, I I, I liked him pretty good. Um, but some of the, I guess I didn't. Some of the electronic kind of the rap stuff, which wasn't actually him, but yeah, I just didn't really get into them as much as, as some other people did. But uh, they had some big songs, absolutely. So, and they were big, and like you said, unfortunately, he, he passed way too soon. And you know, no matter how much money and success you have, depression is just. It's a it's a private battle for a lot of people. You don't know what they're going through. So uh, that's really sad that he uh, we lost him that soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, really, really sad. Um, okay, well, I'll go ahead and give uh, another entry here off of um, off Steve's list, and he um, and he went with a um, pretty uh, kind of a, again the guy that. Um, you know, might not be everybody's, you know, cup of tea because of the style he had, but he was definitely, um, for the time, I mean, for the time he came out, he was definitely a major, um, major hit, a star. Um, and he went with, uh, Eddie Vedder, of course, from, uh, Pearl Jam. Um, and actually, and I meant to say this earlier, he, um, when he sent me his list, he did have a little description of each guy. So, um, no. so I, 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 I forgot about that, but uh, for for Vetter, he says, um, the last man standing from Seattle, still singing his ass off and selling out stadiums 33 years after his debut. And um, I mean, he's pretty much right. I mean, when you think about it, you know, Pearl Jam came in right at that, you know, kind of sweet spot there in the early 90s um, as part of the grunge, you know, grunge um, um, movement there, like with Nirvana and Alice in Chains and um, some of those other bands. And um and they were able to kind of, um, you know, make themselves feel different enough from those other bands to stand out. And, um, and I mean, they just, you know, had some, you know, again, you just, you know, hear the distinct style when he's, you know, singing. I mean, you know, with songs like Jeremy and Daughter and just so many other, you know, big songs that Pearl Jam had. And, you know, like you said, they're still still going strong to this day. And they're definitely a band that... Um, that still will, will go down as one of the greatest of all time. And he's definitely um, one of those singers that you always think about. Um, I know Andy had him as an honorable mention, um, but did you have anything else to say about Eddie Vedder? You know, I've probably seen Pearl Jam almost as many times as any act, really, probably from the late 90s to the early 2000s. I saw him a few times. Uh, they're a great band. I, I love the songs. I think I like... I mean, obviously, he has a certain intensity, stage presence, and uh, you can just tell it's heartfelt the way he delivers. Uh, I think I appreciate more so of his lyricism, maybe so, than his singing, but uh, I've always been a big fan of Pearl Jam as a whole, and uh, Eddie Vedder's pretty much the heartbeat of the band, so yeah, I can't, I mean... That was a great pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, okay, well, I'll go ahead and give another entry off of um, Aaron's list. And another guy, again, that I, I didn't really think of at first, but, I mean, again, kind of a guy that you associate with that um, with the time frame uh, when this band came out. And he went with um, with Bruce Dickinson, of course, uh, the lead singer mainly from uh, Iron Maiden. Um, this is, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I'm not the completely, I mean, I know little of Iron Maiden, but not a ton. Um I know he has um he's done other stuff in between as a solo you know with a solo career and um and I I mean yeah when you I mean just again I'm unfortunately I'm not again not too familiar with Iron Maiden um obviously if you you hear their songs you obviously know who you know what they're about and how um how big they were at in the 80s um when they came out so I'm just going to kind of uh, just just leave it at that so um Again, he did not make anybody else's um, else's list. Um, but did you have anything else to say about Bruce Dickinson? Uh, uh, yeah, he can he can definitely wail. They've got some, I mean, some big hits like uh, yeah. Uh, they have a diehard following, Iron Maiden, uh, and obviously his singing style is a big reason for that. And uh, yeah, he's. He's an interesting dude. I think he's a martial artist, and I think he's a uh, licensed pilot. I think when they go on tour, he like flies the plane. <laughs> so he's a he's all over the place. But yeah, um, I can totally see why someone would put them put him on the list. <clears throat> okay, well we'll go back around to um, to you again. So give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore. Okay. Um, so this is probably, if I had to get down to brass tacks, probably my favorite band, at least top handful. I went with uh, Freddie Mercury from Queen. Um, as vocally, probably the most talented singer that's ever been in rock, in my opinion. I mean, vocal range, uh, the songs, just so memorable from the rockers to the ballads. Uh, and maybe the just a showman that could have a crowd of 50,000 people in the palm of his hand, getting everybody to sing along with, you know, some some vocal exercises that he's doing on stage, basically. Um, I mean, if you've ever seen Live Aid or uh, the Live at Wembley 1986, I mean incredible showman and and i think probably even then he was starting to be on the down turn of his actual vocal abilities but he never let it show i mean just an astounding performer one of my favorites Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I had him on my Mount Rushmore as well as did Aaron and Andy had him as an honorable mention um I mean, the guy was a complete package. You know, he had the, like you said, the vocal range, the charisma, the showmanship, um, you know, the flamboyance. I mean, he knew, he just knew what needed to be done when he got on that stage. And, you know, just so many iconic hits of Queen that he was able to just completely belt out. And then like, and like you mentioned, um, I think when, you know, Live Aid there in 85 is probably Queen's defining moment as a band. And he was just, you know, he was the star and um, he also you know, had a good little solo career. And then 
I mean, obviously, I was I was too young to remember, but I know when the word had broken out that he had um that he had AIDS, it was you know such a you know a shock because you know you you never really you know think that a major star like that could ever uh, could could suffer from something like that. And I remember that it was you know there was such an outpour, outpouring of emotion after he passed away when he did, um, and he's it's, it's just one of those things again. It's like you know. I know Queen still obviously performs today, and and this is not a knock on either Paul Rogers or um or Adam Lambert, um who are both really good in their minds. But for me, Queen will always just will never be the same without Freddie. I mean, he was the he was the man that kept you know that is you know put that band together. So um he'll just always you know again be remembered as one of the greatest um not just one of the greatest singers of all time, but definitely one of the greatest showmen of all time. And um. And I did. I do. I do recommend. Um, it, it does kind of. I do recommend if you haven't seen the um, the biofilm Bohemian Rhapsody. I definitely would recommend it. And I know it, it takes some liberties with his life, but I think as a uh, as a whole, it is a great um, film. I think uh, Rami Malek is fantastic as Freddie. He definitely earned that uh, best actor win that he got for portraying him. Yeah, it was, it's a it's a great biopic that, uh, like you say, they they kind of played around with the. Uh, events and and things but uh uh, and made for a better story so i mean why not (laughs) okay well go ahead and give another one of andy's picks and again this might be uh this is an interesting one because i think kind of almost in a similar vein of uh of freddie mercury this guy is definitely a um and a, quite a showman on the stage but he also has the vocal chops to back it up uh and he went with axel rose of course, uh, the longtime lead singer of Guns N' Roses, um, another guy that's just so distinguishable with his voice and his um, ability. Um, I mean, just hearing him belt out, you know, the big hits, you know, that they do, you know, Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome to the Jungle. Um, you know, he's just, again, just one of those guys that just commands the stage when he's on it. And even though, you know, they've the band itself has been through so much turmoil over the years, you know, some partially, you know, mostly because of, you know, you can argue because of him. Um, there's, there's no doubt that, um, that he definitely still is, you know, when you think about great lead singers, he's definitely one, he's definitely one that you have to think about for everything he was able to do, because you could argue for a brief period there in the mid eighties, that Guns N' Roses was one of the biggest bands in the, you know, in the world at that time with those hits. So, um, I definitely see why Andy, um, put him on his list. Um, uh, nobody else did have him on the list on any of us though, but um, but did you have anything else you want to say about Axel Rose? Yeah, I mean, I probably didn't because uh, I mean, vocally he's great. I mean, if they had just had disappeared after Appetite for Destruction, I mean, that's basically a perfect album, one of the best of the 80s, absolutely, um, top handful, but it's just I think his antics. His moodiness and stuff, the off stage and causing shows to get canceled and and really just bitterness causing the band to essentially break up for however long, 10, 15 years. Uh, I, I kind of knocked him down a peg just for that, unfairly or not. But he didn't make my list, but I can see why someone would put him on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, I'll go ahead and give another um, entry off Steve's list here. And again, this is one that, um, you know, 
He's definitely one that, again, such a distinguishable voice and one that um, has been around the block for such a long time and still doing it today. Um, he went with Sammy Hagar um, as his uh, little thing says here. He can sing anything. 76 years old is still rocking like he's 36. Uh, one of the greatest businessmen in the history of rock music. Um, of course, uh, Sammy has had a you know really good career, not just as a solo artist, but of course when he did take over for uh, Van Halen um, after David Lee Roth left, which that was a um, you know pretty big undertaking. I mean, you know Van Halen had had such a you know good run to that point with uh, Lee Roth as the lead singer, and for Hagar to come in and he definitely made the band feel so much different from when uh, Lee Roth was there, um, to the point that uh, the fans refer now then refer to Van Halen as Van Hagar when it, when they talk <laughs> about uh, hey, uh, Sammy's um, you know time there with the band. Um, but yeah, I mean he still you know he still performs to this day. Um, course has his you know the, his band um the circle and um i will i will just say he does kind of um have a little bit of a you know personal connection with me because um my grandfather um god rest his soul when he was alive one of his uh, favorite songs of all time was um i can't drive 55 um, so, <laughs> yeah. so that's the nice little so i have that little kind of personal connection there but again i think it's one of those things you know the Van Halen fans always kind of argue who who had who was better, Lee Roth or or Hagar, and I think it's just you know one of those like you know personal personal preferences between the two guys. So um, he did not make anybody else's list. But did you have anything else you wanted to say about Sammy Hagar? Uh, I'll say this: um, Hagar was the better singer. Roth era had the better songs, in my opinion. Um, but I mean, he could sing anything. Um, and and he's never really diminished, and I've heard him more recently. He's still he's still got it. So yeah, um, I just I didn't put him at that level to being on my list or honorable mentions or anything like that. But uh, I can see why it would be. I think he was on a short list of mine that I was willing now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'll go ahead and um, list off Aaron's uh, final pick here. And again, kind of an interesting choice here. Um, but another guy that you know, you hear his voice, you immediately you know can distinguish him from the pack. Uh, he went with Ronnie James Dio. Um, of course, uh, he of course you know, had his own band. Um, he was the lead singer for Black Sabbath for a brief time. Uh, and did a couple was with a couple of other bands. Um, but again, another guy that just. Um, you know, he had such a distinguishable voice that he was able to bring not only with his own, with his his own as a solo guy, but again with Black Sabbath. Um, you know, you hear songs like you know Holy Diver and uh, Rainbow in the Dark and some of his other biggest hits. Um, definitely one again. You hear you just hear the voice. You rec you know recognize you know who he is and um, the legacy he had. Um, you know, unfortunately he's um, sadly no longer with us. He did pass away in um, in 2010. Um, at the age of 67, which I thought, I didn't think he, I mean, I knew he was a little older, but I didn't think he, you know, he was not as old as I thought he was, but, um, oh. um, but he's definitely, again, a guy that's, um, you know, carved out a little niche for him. And again, kind of similar to, um, you know, Van Halen, um, you know, who, who was the better Black Sabbath lead singer, him or, you know, Ozzy, um, <laughs> it's, you know, kind of, again, kind of up to the, uh, to the debate of the fans, but, um. But again, uh, no, uh, he did not make anybody else's list. But did you have anything else you wanted to say about Ronnie James Dio? Wow, there's some like severe heavy metal lovers on putting lists out here. But yeah, I mean, uh, 
Um, wow, he, he could wail. I mean, for he was a little tiny fella too. I think he was a little elf. But uh, and if legend has it, he originated the devil horns uh, hand <laughs> signal that you see at every metal show. So um, yeah, yeah, he's everybody knows who Dio is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of uh, teased it a bit, but I'll just go ahead and actually give uh, Andy's last pick here. He actually did go with Ozzy Osbourne. Um, okay. Ozzy, of course, again, kind of one of those, you know, I mean, you talk about a guy who was just an absolute, you know, personality. Um, I mean, between, you know, being with with uh, Black Sabbath and then as this, you know, as a solo guy, um, he was kind of the um, almost like the originator, almost of like the you know, the heavy metal, you know, darkness that you see from a lot of these bands. I mean, he was even dubbed the Prince of Darkness. Um, and of course, everyone remembers the infamous moment where he, you know, bit the bit the head off a bat um, on stage. Um, and it's kind of funny because, like, he had such a great career uh, throughout the 80s. And then, of course, he kind of, and it kind of almost reinvented himself in the 2000s as a, um, as a, as a reality star. Of course, he had uh, the Osbournes on TV. Um for those that remember that show that kind of introduced his, um, you know, his children and his wife to the, and his wife, Sharon, to the, um, to the world. And obviously he has, um, everyone remembers he was at uh, WrestleMania two um, managing uh, the British Bulldogs to their, uh, to their tag title, went over the dream team. Um, and, and he did make an appearance on raw um, in the, I believe it was Oh nine. Uh, he and Sharon were on as, um, as guest hosts. So he still has, you know, he does have the, um, the tie-in to uh, to wrestling, and in fact, he is in the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame. Nice. So, uh, so obviously the uh, like I said, the connection there. And um, unfortunately, he's um, um, kind of slowed down a bit from touring um, because obviously he is getting older, and he, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, he, um, you know, can't, you know, his dealing with a bunch of health issues. So, um, it is kind of, you know, unfortunate that his career is kind of, you know almost kind of coming to an end here. Um, but again, he's just one of those guys when you think of like the godfathers of, of heavy metal, um, he is definitely um, up there on that, up there on that uh, list. So um, he did not make anybody else's list, but um, did you have anything else you want to say about Ozzy? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's rock and roll. I mean, he's heavy metal. Um, he's lived a hard life and it's kind of in some ways, I'm kind of surprised that he's lived this long <laughs> because <laughs> of the way he's lived. Um, but um, I feel some—I feel like some of his vocal stuff is studio trickery. Sometimes I, I think I make some people mad when I say he's the original auto-tune guy because <laughs> <laughs> they put a certain effect on his vocals. If you go back and listen to it. Um, like even when Zach Wilde, his guitarist, uh, would do some of his solo or black label society stuff. If you listen to some of those songs on those records, he sounds just like Ozzy. Um, so he's using the same uh, effects on his vocals that Ozzy did. It's it's but he had great songs with Black Sabbath and solo. Had had a long nice career. And he's rock and roll, so yeah, he's the prince of darkness for a reason. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, he is. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, why don't we come back around to you and you can give your final entry on your Mount Rushmore of lead singers. Okay. This fourth and final spot was the hardest for me to pick. I kind of looked at it a few different ways, chopped it up. And I guess I just put it down to longevity and sort of uh, memorable stage personas. I went with Bono of U2. Um, I mean, they've been, U2's been around for 40, 45 years now. Um, and he's gone through different eras of the band. We're in like the 80s. He's got the long ponytail, sometimes wearing a cowboy hat. And then their super hot period of the early 90s when he kind of, I think he called that persona the fly where he had the black leather jacket the big black sunglasses um and that's like classic period youtube bono um he sings with emotion um again he's great on stage and even today that uh, they're doing these big residencies out there at the was it the sphere is that what that's called in uh, in vegas mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, that's that's a big deal. So, I mean, if he if he couldn't sing the songs anymore, they wouldn't be doing something like that. So, um, I've been a fan of theirs for a long time. Some people don't like you too. I get it. It's a it's a matter of opinion. Um, so, if I did this list again, someone else might be in the fourth spot for me. But I'm going with Bono this time. Okay, yeah, that's definitely a um a good pick there. I actually did have um I had him as an honorable mention as did um as did Andy, um and yeah he's just you know he's just got such a you know recognizable look with the you know like you said first in the 80s with like the long hair and now kind of the modern day with the sunglasses and the short hair um I mean U2 just came out you know with such a force in the you know in the 80s and then you know like I said going to the 90s and then of course in the you know kind of as the 2000s started, they had, you know, had probably one of their greatest hits ever, of course, Beautiful Day, um, right. to kind of keep them going throughout that, you know, period. And, and yeah, like you said, I mean, they were the first band to open the Sphere here in Vegas, and that's a big, that's a big deal. I mean, to the point that they actually created a song um, that they just released uh, not that long, actually two months ago, called Atomic City, which is kind of a, uh, which is basically a love letter to, to Vegas. Nice. Um, so um, that's kind of a, you know, cool little um you know, cool little, uh, and you know, nugget there. And of course, obviously he is, you know, you know, you know, big for his, you know, humanitarian, humanitarian aid and his, um, you know, philanthropy. And he's just one of those guys that, um, you kind of, you know, again, you, you know, the voice, you know, the look, you know, the stage presence he brings and he just, um, I mean, he definitely has to go down again, whether you, you know, I know you two is kind of one of those bands that really divides people. Um, yeah. you either really, you either really love them or you hate them, but, um, <laughs> But he's definitely one that, again, you have to, you know, give him their props for being one of the biggest bands of all time and him for being one of the biggest, you know, greatest lead singers of all time. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and give um, Steve's last pick here. And this is, again, kind of an interest. This is a kind of a good pick here. Um, Sally and another guy kind of similar to Chester Bennington that we lost, um, that we sadly lost way too soon. Um, and that's Chris Cornell. 
Um, obviously, as um, C's right up here says, obviously, lead singer for Temple of Dogs, Soundgarden, Audio Slave in his own solo material, eight octave octave singer with the range of Mariah Carey. <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever said that about him, but uh, he could do everything except live. He is missed, and um, and yeah, he uh, he um, he is missed, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, just again, kind of came out with Soundgarden. They just have such a interesting, you know, kind of look with. Um, you know, and he had just such a very distinguished of a voice. You hear it with like Black Hole Sun, um, and then again in the 2000s with Audio Slave, um, and then his own solo stuff. And um, again, like I said, like much like Chester Bennington, a guy who really kind of suffered through depression uh, for the majority of his life, and also tragically took his own life in 2017. Actually, um, a month or two months before Bennington took his life. Um, so, I mean, we had that's you know, you know, relatively two back-to-back um, memorable, you know, musicians, you know, sadly taking their own life the way they did. And I mean, he was only 52, um, was Cornell, so still relatively young, and they were still he was still you know, performing even at the time of his death. So, um, yeah, a guy again who's um, maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but you just you know, you recognize his voice, and he had such an, a really good. Um, presence with um with Soundgarden and with Audio Slave um that he definitely deserves some recognition and I um I had him as an honorable mention um Andy had him as an honorable mention and you also had him as an honorable mention I did I did I I would have been remiss not to at least mention him um yeah I mean once he came on the scene he never really fell off through all the different iterations of bands like you mentioned for I don't know, 25 years, just he's had this certain, I don't know, a bit of a rasp in his voice that's it just gave it an almost indescribable quality to his singing. Uh, I don't know that anybody ever screamed as beautifully as Chris Cornell on record. Um, some people will scream on records and it sounds like uh, bloody anguish in a horror film, but when Chris Cornell does it, it sounds great and it fits the song. Um, so yeah, I think especially in the grunge era, in my opinion, he's hands down the best singer uh, of that time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, I have, uh, I'm the only one that has anyone left and uh, so I will go ahead and give them. And I kind of mentioned at the top of the show here that we are bringing up, you know, talking about the best guys. And I did say gals because there are plenty of great uh, women lead singers. And I wanted to make sure um, somebody got mentioned. So we don't, uh, so we don't seem like a bunch of uh, mus- um, misogynistic bastards. <laughs> um, and I end up going, I kind of debated who I wanted to go with. Um, I kind of went back and forth on a couple of, a uh, couple of ladies, but I ended up going with, I think, um, especially after just, re-listening to to her uh, fairly recently for a um for an upcoming episode of making of a video jukebox song a day um i actually went with ann wilson of course the um the lead singer of heart um and actually i will say aaron had her as an honorable mention as well um you know it was a big deal when um uh, when heart started because they were the first band rock band that was fronted by women of course not just ann but her sister nancy who was on guitar and she just had again such a great distinct vote voice that's um when you heard some of heart's biggest hits you know magic man uh crazy on you barracuda um straight on they, you know they she could you know just 
you know, belt those lyrics out and just make you really feel the emotion. And um, she definitely, um, you know, really, again, like I said, just brought it, brought everything out. And um, even still to this day, there's, you know, like I said, they're still going, they're still going strong today. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously I'm sure she, you know, there's a couple of other, like I said, a couple of other women I was thinking about. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, I think Ann Wilson definitely deserves um, deserves some recognition, at least from me. Um, did you have anything else to say about Ann Wilson? Oh, I, th- I think it's a great pick. Um, one that some people might not even pick right off the top of their head, if, even if they're just going with uh, female singers. But uh, yeah, that's she could she could wail, she could sing very beautifully and melodically. Um, and the compliment with her sister, uh, the songwriting, they had great songs. It all fit together very well. And they've had uh, a few different lives in that band as uh, tastes change. And, but the hits kept coming. Uh, they, they had a renaissance in the 80s uh, after their 70s heyday. So, yeah, and she's, she's a good singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, that will go ahead and wrap up all the uh, main lists here. So now let's talk about any other honorable mentions that we haven't talked about. So, um, so why don't you um, – do you want to go ahead and uh, list off uh, anyone on your honorable mentions that you haven't men- talked about yet? Okay. So you want me to go through all of them that I have left? Yeah, uh, that's fine. Yeah, okay. Um, so the first one, which was kind of like 4A that I kind of flip-flopped on, would be uh, Sting – from the police, you know, Gordon Sumner, not Steve Borden, the wrestler. Uh, <laughs> uh, between the police and his solo career, I mean, this the guy is so freaking talented. I mean, I'm a bass player. I wish I could sing as half as good as, as Sting does. I mean, I think he's not thought about so much in that um uh, realm it's more of the songwriting i guess and the and the performance but the man can sing <laughs> he can sing anything and hit notes all while just playing incredible bass um so i had to mention him um next one going down the list i went with paul rogers of free and bad company and kind of solo and then cup of coffee with queen which i didn't think he meshed well with queen but uh he's in such a naturally great singer uh i think the rumor or the legend was when he was in the studio laying down tracks for any song bad company or whatever he's basically a one a one take guy just what you hear on the record is basically what he went in there and belted out in one take, uh, either live or, or singing over the tracks. Just just a naturally gifted singer um, who's had uh, a nice run over the years. And I guess finally, um, a guy that's been around forever who has been in various bands and then had an incredible solo career uh i went with rod stewart kind of the 
he's kind of become like the modern day crooner maybe the with uh, tony bennett being gone he might be the closest equivalent to a crooner that's still uh out there but uh from playing with jeff beck in the late 60s i think and then with uh, the faces with ron wood uh, i think that period of that band was just as good as the stones that short run they had together and just the dude is just a great singer could sing anything again he has one of those distinct raspy voices that but then he can go high he can he can sing melodically and then i mean as taste changed i mean He's a musical chameleon. I think he went with whatever was popular at the time, which some people give him crap for. But, you know, I mean, he, but, you know, whatever it was, he had a disco hit. He had, a, you know, a soft rock hit. And then uh, in more recent time period, he's gone back and done like the great American songbook. Right. So and it's all sold. I mean, he's still out there doing it and he's still got great hair i don't know how he got lucky with that but <laughs> dude's, dude's a star and he's been around forever um so that i think that's my last uh, honorable mention that i wanted to to note mm-hmm. yeah those are definitely all good picks um you know rod's like i said rod stewart's still kicking to the stammy he's he's still performing even here in vegas at the uh at Caesar's Palace, although he did say that his um, he's coming back next summer, but that will be uh, the end of his ter- time there. So um, maybe his uh, maybe he's maybe he's soon to call it a career, but we'll guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, Paul Rogers, I do again agree. He definitely has a very um, distinct voice, and you hear it especially with uh, with Bad Company. Um, and like I said, you know, no knock to him for what he did with Queen, but yeah, he's definitely um, he's he's no Freddie Mercury, unfortunately. And, no. Uh, and then, um, and then, yeah, staying from you know, from what he did with the police to um, to his solo run, he definitely, um, you know, he's just another guy that's so re- remar- you know, memorable. Um, okay, well, I do have some uh, other honorable mentions that I um, have not talked about, and I'll just kind of quickly go through them. Um, two of them I do share with um, with Andy, so I'll just kind of mention them first. Um, I did go with um, Steven Tyler, of course, of Aerosmith. Um, you know, another guy that's just got such a you know great stage presence, you know, incredible voice. Um, you know, Aerosmith's been around since the you know since the '70s, still going today. And um, you know, he's just you know again so recognizable with the way he looks and the way he sings. It's just he definitely I think um, merits uh, merited uh, a mention here. Um, you know, we did talk about a couple of guys from the early '90s and the grunge era, but I would be remiss if we didn't mention Kurt Cobain um, of, of Nirvana. Um, kind of, you know, start almost like they almost kind of started that whole movement. Um, and again, just kind of the, uh, you know, just with the raspy voice and the look and, um, he just had, you know, he, everything, he had everything you could want, you know, you'd want to see, but again, a guy that, um, you know, dealt with things, you know, some things, things that nobody knew about. And again, just took his own life, you know, so young, um, and, you know, kind of, you know, he's always kind of one of those big, like, what ifs, you know, if he had lived throughout the 90s, you know, how Nirvana would still be going to, the, you know, still be going. Um, and then I didn't, like I said, I did, I was kind of, you know, bouncing a couple of women around. Um, I do have two of two of them here. Um, I did have um, Janis Joplin, um, kind of almost like the, ori- the original, um, you know, 
woman uh, lead sing, you know, lead singer um, with her own band and a solo. And again, just kind of just had that, you know, just distinct, distinct sound in her voice, that distinct look kind of fit for the time frame of the early in the in the 60s and early 70s. And another person that, you know, another one that sadly, you know, died way too young. Um, again, another one that you know, wonder what what could have been for her and she lived. And then the last one I have on my uh, honorable mentions is again a personal pick from mine, just because I love the band so much. And I wanted to mention her. Um, I go with Amy Lee uh, from Evanescence. Um, again, kind of you know she's got you know such a distinguished, distinguishable voice. Um, you know, just a great on you know on stage presence. Um, you know, she just you know puts her heart and soul into everything when she sings, and she's just one of those that um, you know. And I, I do think she's she's beautiful, and I think she's just one that, um, you know, considering all the turmoil that Evanescence has gone through throughout the years, with all the constant, um, you know, lineup changes, um, she's been the one constant for them, and she's definitely, I think, um, at least merited a um, merited a mention. So um, I don't know if you had anything else to say about any of the ones I any of those other honorable mentions. Um, Steven Tyler was on the short list. Of, of my, if I had gone further with my honorable mentions, he would have been uh, definitely mentioned. Um, probably not so much Kurt Cobain as a singer. Probably wouldn't have mentioned him. And I don't care for Janis Joplin, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> not my cup of tea. Um, Amy Lee, that's a, a surprise pick. But yeah, I mean, when they first out and they had the big songs uh it was she uh had a distinct voice that was different it was different than a lot of things that were on the radio at that time uh i haven't kept up with them over the years but uh um, they definitely have a following so mm-hmm. yeah definitely um all right. Well, um, I know Andy has a whole bunch as well, and we'll just kind of uh, we'll just kind of blow through them pretty quickly. Um, you know, uh, just just to kind of get everyone on here that he mentioned. Um, he did uh, kind of similar to um, I, I did. Uh, so he did have a couple of other women as well. She he um, he did include um, Stevie Nicks um, from Fleetwood Mac. Um, so another kind of interesting choice there, as well as um, Gwen Stefani. Um, of course, from No Doubt, and then, of course, her own you know, solo career. Um, he also had another kind of interesting pick from the from the early, from the the early 60s, Jerry Garcia uh, from The Grateful Dead. Um, like another guy that's, you know, had such a distinct voice and a distinct look for that time. Um, in the similar vein of Mick Jagger, he did go Paul McCartney, because um, mm-hmm. obviously you can't, you know, you need to mention the Beatles for everything they were able to, they did throughout their career, and he was obviously you know, one of the big reasons for that. Um, he also had Jim Morrison, um, obviously from Van Morrison, another kind of you know guy that had such a distinct um, distinct voice and distinct style, um, and another guy that you know sadly died way too way too young. Um, he actually did have he did have Sammy Hagar, but he did have David Lee Roth as a um, as an honorable mention, so he, I think he's probably in the camp of, uh, of the Lee Roth, um, Van Halen, um, and then finally, the last guy he on here was um, was Robert Smith, um, of course oh, from nice. uh, from the Cure. So yeah. um, I'm not, I was, I'm be honest, I haven't. I mean, I know some songs from the Cure, but really my only mem- biggest thing 
for Robert Smith was when he was on uh, an early like episode of South Park, and he <laughs> and he fought off uh, Mecha Streisand and saved the <laughs> saved <laughs> South Park. <Nice>. So <laughs> that's that's my memory of him. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just again, just you know, a bunch of you know really good singers. Um, I mean, like I, like we said, we could be here. Um, we could be here for hours just talking about some of the some of these um, these these artists just for everything they brought to the table. Um, but we are going to go ahead and just um, and take a break because we do need to reset a little bit here. And when we come back for the second half, uh, we are going to move over to the side of the stage and talk about the guitar players that um, that these bands had. So this is, of course, Mickey Mount Rushmore here on the Pop Experience, and we will be back on the other side of this intermission. Uh, making that Rushmore here on the Pop Experience. I am here with uh, my good, with my friend Ashley Cruz. I am Steve Riddle, of course. Uh, we are going through our uh, Mount Rushmores here. Of uh, of uh, well, first we did uh, lead singers, uh, me and him, along with uh, Andy, Steve Bennett, and Aaron George, uh, who submitted their own list as well. And now for the second half here, we're going to move over and talk about, in essence, the sidemen of uh, the bands, and that's of course the guitar players. Uh, these are the guys who typically, you know, are uh, you hear their great, you know, solos, and you know they occasionally do occasionally sing at times, but they are definitely the ones that many consider, you know, kind of the uh, the backbones of the um, of the rock band because they're the ones that, you know, like I said, you know, drive everything with their, uh, with their rhythm and their uh, and like I said, the solos. So uh, we'll go ahead and um, I'll go ahead and give my first entry here, and this actually I will go ahead and just say it. This is the only guy that made everybody's list, including um, um, Ashley, Andy, Steve, and Aaron. And I think it's um, not hard to understand why, considering he is considered one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Uh, that is, of course, one Eddie Van Halen. Uh, of course, uh, the longtime guitar player for and the original founder of Van Halen. Um, just to kind of, you know, since Steve does this, his little... Um, uh, write-ups here what he said uh, he basically said the king the number one seed the best inspired generations of players and invented tapping he's iconic immortal and anything else you can think think of that describes greatness his loss was a blow through the heart he is missed and um you know it's funny we were talking about in the first half you know of the when we we're talking about sammy hagar and david lee roth and who you know which you know which guy was the better lead singer for van halen um i think a lot of people will go on record saying that um eddie was the um was van halen um you know he just provide you know his his riffs and his you know solos were just so iconic um of course everyone you know i'm sure everyone probably knows of course he of course did the uh the guitar solo in uh, michael jackson's beat it and um and he obviously you know 
could not just play guitar, he also could do the keyboards. Of course, uh, everyone remembers when he broke out the keyboards for Jump, uh, how, you know, everyone thought that was insane, but he ended up, he did that really well. And, um, I, mean, when you, I mean, he was just one of those guys that, you know, you know, again, he had great stage presence, and um, and I remember when he did um, when he did sent when he did pass away uh, back in 2020. That was such a you know such a big deal. Like everyone was talking about it. You know, he was just one of those guys that like nobody had a bad thing to say about. Um, and I know um, you know he kind of been you know, he obviously passed a lot passed on a lot of what he was able to do to his son Wolfgang, and uh, and Wolfgang went on record saying that um. That um the after his after Eddie's death that Van Halen would not continue because as he said um you can't have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen, and um and he is right I mean Eddie was the heart and soul of that band, and um there's no doubt that he definitely belongs as um as one of the greatest guitar players of all time um as I said he did make everybody's list so um did you have anything else to say about Eddie Van Halen? Oh yeah I mean when he burst on the scene and. 78 that first album was just nobody had heard anything like that before i mean there's a progression of you know the the evolution of rock guitar and i mean when he came out with the tapping the soloing uh just when you inspire a nation of imitators you're doing something right and just about every hair band that came out in the late 70s to the early 80s to even the, the dying days of it in the early 90s. I mean, you had a guy that was trying to do some tapping and some 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 crazy soloing. So inventive. I mean, he had the one song where he was using like the power drill. <laughs> On the strings um i think that was pound cake uh but um yeah just incredible guitar player his one thing that he doesn't get mentioned enough is his rhythm playing which i know his soloing and tapping uh is so flashy but if you listen to those songs he's not just you know strumming chords he's doing some very inventive uh rhythm guitar playing and of course, the songwriting uh, was fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the best. He's in the Mount Rushmore for everybody, obviously. So he's, he's the universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, um, no doubt about it. Um, all right, well, why don't you um, go ahead and give another entry on your Mount Rushmore of guitarists? Okay. Uh, well, I'll go a little bit. Further back, like the late 60s, talking about the evolution of guitar playing, I think when Jimi Hendrix came out, I mean, every band that was going back in the day kind of stood up and took notice. It's like the game has changed now. I mean, he took what was largely the blues guitar scale type licks and kind of just went nuclear with them just with the feedback the distortion uh incredible solos uh, to be that good of a guitar player and still be the 
I mean, he's still fronting the band and singing the songs as well. And then, I mean, he was such a avid music lover. Like when they were playing clubs and heard the story of like when Sgt. Pepper's by the Beatles came out, he bought the record, learned the song, and then Jimi Hendrix Experience played their version of uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band that night. I mean, he's just... His musical knowledge was was off the charts. Um, for me, he's probably the biggest loss. Like I would have loved to see what, how his career would have gone through the seventies. Would he've gotten into some weird experimental jazz? Or he's gonna he's gonna do some funk. I don't know. But uh, and even into the eighties, I mean, just major loss but just incredible playing. I mean, that Star Spangled Banner instrumental of his is iconic. Um, and that's a piece of classical music. So, I mean, he could just take anything, make it his own. Um, like all along the Watchtower, Bob Dylan, I think his cover is the definitive version of that song. Um, so, yeah, just... The guitarist, the guitar wouldn't be where it was into the seventies, I think, without Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I had him on my my Mount Rushmore as did um, as did Andy. Um, he just was he was you know one of the defining uh, musicians of that time frame. Um, just like you said, with his guitar playing, and yeah, he could. I mean, he was a fairly good singer, but he'll always, I think he'll always be best remembered for being the great guitar player that he was um, said his kind of like defining moment of his career was at was of course at Woodstock when he did the, uh, the star spangled banner um, and his kind of little interpretive spin on it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, he's definitely a guy that's like, you know, what if he had lived through the seventies, how his career would have, you know, turned out. Um, he's kind of, he was, he's kind of one of those first ones that, you know, kind of, you know, died so young and launched, you know, what we kind of what most fans know as the um, as the 27 club um those artists that you know passed away at that age i mean it wasn't just him at that time i mean it was him jan Joplin, jim morrison um of course then eventually uh kirk cobain in the 90s and then very recently of course the most recent one obviously um amy winehouse mm-hmm. um but yeah i think uh, in terms of you know what he brought to the table as a guitar player um there is no question that he is you know one of the greatest of all one of the greatest of all time and definitely um belongs on uh, belongs on a mount rushmore so all right well i'll go ahead and give uh, the next entry for both um steve and uh aaron because they both had this guy on their list um and they both went with um randy rhodes uh, mainly the um, mainly the uh, guitar player for uh, Quiet Riot, um, as, as uh, Steve says here, um, rock and roll's greatest what if left us too soon. Hold on, hold on, can I interrupt? Go ahead. He was also Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist. I think he was more well known as that. <laughs> I'm sort of saying. Oh. <laughs> okay, I, I, I yeah, I, I actually should have mentioned that. I just saw that he was with Quiet Riot, but uh, but yeah. Um, so, okay, but yeah, as uh, but uh, but like Steve was saying, um, you know, incredible riff master and soloist, influenced list today, accomplished more by age 25 than most do in a full life, just gone too damn soon. Um, 
and yeah, like you said, you know, he is obviously, you know, you hear him on a lot of great um, Aussie songs, obviously Crazy Train, um, Mr. Crowley. Um, and then, like I said, he was um, obviously with with Quiet Riot. Um, again, just kind of one of those, um, again, one of those kind of, you know, guys that, you know, knew what to do, how to do it. And, um, and a guy like, um, like Steve said, you know, died at 25 and is, um, you know, you wonder what he could have been had he lived through the 80s, continued to play with Ozzy um, or potentially with Quiet Riot and um, and what he could have done. So I think he's definitely one that, um, you know, that's just so um, this is one that you always think about what could have been. So, um, like I said, Aaron had him as well, um, but no, but none, nobody else did. But did you have anything else to say about Randy Rhodes? Oh, yeah, I mean. I don't know that Ozzy's solo career would have flown as highly without Randy Rhodes on those first, I think he played on the first two records, maybe three, I forget. But uh, yeah, just similar to uh, Eddie Van Halen with uh, his playing style. He had some uh, Classical influences, definitely, and some instrumental stuff that uh, was on the records. Um, and probably, and sadly, <sighs> victim of one of the dumbest way to die ever with uh, that whole story with uh, them going up in the airplane, buzzing the tour bus. I don't know how much alcohol and drugs were involved but uh, they got a little too close to the tour bus one time and uh, the plane crashed and that's how he died so just completely a waste just he had so much uh, in front of him as a performer and as just a human being just to, just to go that way it was just horrible mm-hmm. yeah definitely and I think uh, I, w- I was just reading up on that apparently uh, you know Eddie Van Halen made a comment about that, saying about how devastating that um, that was. So, you know, yeah, definitely again one that's um, again a guy that's you know a big what if. So, um, okay, well we'll go ahead and give another one of um, Andy's picks here, and um, again, kind of an interesting um, pick. I mean, obviously, you know, when you think of his playing, he's you know he's had a long career, played with a lot of bands, has been a solo guy. Um, and just such so recognizable for his um, for his ability, um, and he went with Eric Clapton. Um, of course, like I said, he's you know done stuff on his own, but of course he's been with a lot of different bands: uh, the Yardbirds, Cream, uh, Derek and the Dominoes, just to name a few. Um, and again, he's just got such a recognizable you know ability that he has with his playing. Um, you know, obviously one of his the biggest songs he did, of course, was was Layla with Derek and the Dominoes. Um, everyone remembers his cover of uh, I Shot the Sheriff um, in 74. Um, and just, again, one of those guys that's been around the block for so long and, you know, influenced a lot of people. Um, has had just such a you know, hell of a career. And just a guy that's even um, to this, I think he, um believe he's still going to this day. Um yeah, he's still still playing to this day, so he's definitely one that I think um, deserves you know a mention in terms of like his, of what he was able to do as a performer and especially as a guitar player. Um, I did have him as a um, as an honorable mention. Um, did you have anything else to say about Eric Clapton? 
Um, you know, yeah, I mean, there was the famous phrase in the late 60s, I think, that came out, which was, you know, Clapton is God, which uh, predated the, you know, Foley is God in <laughs> pro wrestling parlance. Um, I don't know if uh, Clapton was God or even as good as some of his other contemporaries. Um, I think he was oftentimes it depended on the situation he was in and if the players around him were good. Uh, he, he was more inspired to play. I think uh, I know Keith Richards called him lazy. So <laughs> um, and a lot of musicians will say that he just kind of stole a lot of licks from the old blues players. He didn't wasn't really super inventive on his own, but I mean, he had a long career had hits over three or four decades. Um, I think he's done a lot of uh, good for um, um, sobriety and and drug addiction type. uh, I think he's got some charities in that vein. Um, I just don't, uh, besides that, I don't have a a high opinion of him as a person. Um, and that might flavor uh, my opinion of him as a guitar player, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, like I said, some of these, you know, some of these guys aren't, you know, everybody's cup of tea. So, right. um, but again, that's, you know, that's one of the good things about this is that, you know, we have different, different opinions on, um, on different people. So, All right, well, I'll go ahead and give um, another one of uh, Aaron's picks here. And this is, uh, Kind of another guy that I wouldn't have thought about, but um, but a guy that's you know had a hell of a career, um, played with a lot of different bands. He's obviously best known for being with one specific band, um, and he ended up going with uh, Neil Sean. Um, I think that's how you pronounce the last name S C H O N. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. He, so he obviously he you know he was with um, Santana to start his career. Um, he's done a you know work with um, other bands he's done stuff on his own but of course he is best known for being uh, one of the original founders of journey um so when you think about those um a lot of those great songs that journey did um he he was the one behind obviously all the guitar playing and he kind of he definitely complimented um steve perry really well um in terms of you know his vocals to his um to his guitar playing and um like I said, he has gone on to do some uh, some other stuff um, with other bands um, and other solo stuff, but um, but like I said, he will always definitely be remembered for um, for what he was able to do with Journey um, throughout their um, throughout their career. Even even still to this day, they're still um, putting music out with him, and he's um, still a big part of it. So um, he did not make anybody else's list. Um, but did you have anything else you wanted to say about Neil Sean? I mean, I can see why someone would put him on on their list. Um, very um, memorable guitar playing on the hits of the late 70s and the early 80s with Journey. Um, I actually saw them in concert uh, a few years back. They, they went on a double bill tour with uh, Journey and Def Leppard. And uh, Def, Def Leppard went on first and... I think they were the better. <laughs> I as far as uh, modern day journey, uh, they uh, skipped out on playing a lot of the hits 
and there was a lot of Neil Sean solos, <laughs> at least three or four extended solos that I can remember. It was like, uh, you know, just just one will be fine. Just just play the songs we know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's up there. It's his time. Whatever. But uh, I I I don't think of him as highly as some other guitarists. But uh, he can play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, we'll um, we'll go back around to um, to you. Uh, give us the next entry on your Mount Rushmore of guitarists. Okay. Um, kind of coming in with uh, his uh, vocal counterpart uh, from Queen. Uh, I'm going with Brian May, uh, the guitarist of Queen, uh, along with uh, Freddie Mercury. Uh, just a valuable one-two punch of singer and guitarist i think brian may can play just about anything from driving blues to hard rock to tasteful licks and solos on a ballad um even a real classical kind of flavor to some of his playing and uh you know the dude's also an astrophysicist, PhD. So he's pr- whatever he applies himself to, he's pretty smart. So, but applying himself to the guitar, he's he's gotten a lot of uh, out of it that um, some other players may not approach it the same way as I guess you could say. Um, so I had to put them put put him on my list for. Um, like I said, I love Queen and his uh, unique sound, which, I mean, he and his father actually built the famous, uh, they call it the Red Special guitar that a lot of their, a lot of, of the uh, hits he plays that guitar. Um, so, yeah, that was my pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a good pick. Um, I know uh, Andy had him as an honorable mention, and um, just missed it for me. But um, yeah, it's funny when you. Th- I think when most people think Queen, they automatically think of Freddie, which is you know for good reason. But you know Brian May was definitely the um, kind of I don't want to say the the hidden figure of the band, but he definitely um, was a big driving force for them um, between like you said his guitar work and even his um, his ability as a songwriter. Um, and yeah, he just helped, you know, kind of keep everything going for the band. And it, it is kind of interesting that um, that he does have a PhD in astrophysics, and he got that in 2007. So he kind of got that relatively uh, late in his life. Um, and the fact that he's been able to do some stuff with NASA, and actually, he he's probably one of the only rock and roll stars that has a asteroid named after him. So, nice. um, so you know, he's got obviously got that going for him, and he's you know done a lot of stuff for animal rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and he was actually um. Apparently he was uh, knighted earlier this year, so um, so he's got that going for him as well. Um, but yeah, definitely one of those guys. When you think about um, what he was able to um, to do as a musician and as a rock, as a guitar player, um, he definitely was one of the ones that helped um, that really helped Queen become what they were. So um, so definitely a good pick. Um, all right, well I'll go ahead and give another one of um, Steve's pick here, and this is another one, another kind of uh, band that. Um, 
you either really like or you really don't just based on their um on the style of music they do um he went with alex lifeson um of rush um as he kind of puts it here um underrated and maybe a little forgotten because he was in a band Pertz. Uh, his playing has has excelled regardless of the era of rush you are listening to played metal in the 70s survived keyboards in the 80s reclaimed his dominance in the 90s and beyond 40 plus years in the same band um and again, like I said, you know, I think um, Rush is kind of one of those bands that you're either um, really like or you really don't just because of the type of um, sound they have. Um, but for him to, you know, kind of be one of the, um, you know, you know, to be one of the co-founders and still be around with them to this day, um, you know, he does have some great longevity. Um, and again, the band that's still still going to this day, um, he has had some other, you know, some solo stuff and some side projects as well. But, um, I mean, he did, you know, when you hear some of Russia's biggest hits, um, he's deaf, you know, you hear those distinct, um, those riffs and those solos that he does. And he definitely brings a lot to the table for, um, for what he, what he was able to do with rush. Um, so I can definitely see why, um, why Steve would have him on his Mount Rushmore. Um, he did not make anybody else's list, but did you have anything else to say about Alex Lyson? You know, I, that's an interesting pick. I know Rush fans are diehards. So um, I think uh, Lifeson, he's he's great, but I think, unfortunately, he gets overshadowed by the drums and and the, the bass uh, virtuosity in that band. Um, but, I mean, he had, he had to bring it, too, to hold his own. Um, and... They had hits, and he he played some stellar guitar on those songs. So can't knock that pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, I'll go ahead and give uh, my next entry on my Matt Rushmore, and again, kind of a guy that um, similar to Jimi Hendrix, where he could um, he could sing, and he was a fine singer, but he obviously will always be better remembered for being a um, being a great guitar player, um, and that's Carlos Santana. Um, obviously, you know, he formed his, you know, he has his, his own band, um, Santana, um, started in the, you know, started in the late sixties, was actually on the original Woodstock, um, you know, had a great run throughout the seventies and, um, kind of experienced, um, kind of a little resurgence in the late nineties and the early two thousands, um, when he was collaborating with some of, um, you know, some of the big names of the, of that period. Um, I know, I mean, you couldn't turn on a radio in 2000 without hearing, um, without hearing smooth at least <laughs> once with how, how big of a song that was. Um, and he, again, he's another guy still, you know, going strong to this day. Um, you know, just again, he's just so, you know, so well-versed in his, um, in the guitar playing. Um, he's got such a kind of unique, um, you know, look about him with the hat and, um, you know, just everything going and, um, Again, one of those guys that um, could be hit or miss for some people just based on, you know, his style. But um, but he's definitely I mean, when you think about artists from that kind of helped, you know, br- you know, kind of fuse together, you know, rock and roll with like that Latin, you know, Latin jazz feel to it. He definitely um, helped, you know, kind of be at the forefront of that and it cards out, you know, like I said, a really, really great career out of it. Um I know Andy had him as an album mention, um, but did you have anything else you want to say about Carlos Santana? Um, like you, like you said, uh, he's hit or miss for people, and mostly for me, he's a miss. Um, I think he's 
kind of overrated, and I, maybe it's just the the long periods of dry spells in his career that, I mean, if he didn't have somebody um, helping him write some songs and sing some songs, um, between Black Magic Wo- Woman and um, the Smooth record, I don't think there was a lot going on for Carlos. Um, but uh, I I know that a lot of people like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, it's like again, kind of one of those. Um, you either, like you said, you either like it or you don't. So, um, all right. Well, I will go ahead and give um, Aaron's final pick um, on his Mount Rushmore. And again, another guy that maybe you want to think about at first, but um, considering considering you know the the run he had uh, or he's had and still has. Um, with just one band, um, I think he definitely deserves a lot for that. And that's Angus Young, of course, from, uh, of course, one of the founders of ACDC. Um, again, one of those guys that you just kind of, you know, recognize instantly from his look with the, you know, with the hat and the, the jacket with the tie, with the tie and then the shorts. Um, and he just has, again, just such a great, you know, really good style of, uh, of playing the guitar. Um, means you hear him, you know, do some of, you know, their biggest hits um and like i said he's still he's actually the um he's only he's the only founding member of the band still still um with them so um he's had a you know like i said a hell of a run um still going to this day um you know even at um at, at 68 and um you know i think next to um obviously next to um Next to uh, Malcolm Young, um, he's definitely probably the most recognizable member of ACDC, just based on, like I said, his um, stage presence, his look, and uh, his guitar playing. Um, he did not make anybody else's um, list, um, but did you have anything else to say about Angus Young? Uh, he narrowly missed my honorable mentions. I mean, if I think if you were creating a a basic like blues oriented hard rock solo uh, lead guitarist they would have a lot of the dna from angus young in that player i mean for 50 years um you kind of know what you're getting with acdc um that that same backbeat um that those driving chords and just when he rips the solos, it's like just an explosion. So, so many hits with uh, a couple of different singers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, back in the day when I was buying guitar magazines, you know, he was always in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not hard to see, not, not, um, not too hard to see why. So, um, all right, well, I'll go ahead and give um, Andy's last pick here, and um, another guy that definitely, um, you know, was a you know kind of a you know big name for the time period, but another guy that kind of you know that sadly left us um, way too soon, and he's another guy that you can probably you know you can think about like what if he had what if what if he had lived? Um, he went with um, with Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, obviously, you know, he was the uh, part of the. Um, of, so the band Stevie Ray Vaughan, as well as um, Double Trouble, uh, kind of recognized as one of the um, greatest blues um, guitar players um, throughout the you know the 70s and the 80s. Um, like I like I said, kind of you know 
kind of helped define that style, kind of the same similar vein to like Eric Clapton and a couple of other guys at the time. But again, like I said, you know, sadly left us way too soon. He you know was killed in a helicopter crash in 1990 um, at the at the young age of 35. Um, so it would have definitely have been um, interesting to see had he um, had he not had he not passed away, um, how his um, what he would have done in the 90s, especially as uh, the music industry was changing, um, you know, with the grunge movement starting and how he would have um, kind of adapted to that style um, and where if he was still been able to have the same um, impact that he did. Um, I did have him as an honorable mention because I know he is so widely considered in many circles by many as one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Um, but did you have anything else to say about Stevie Ray Vaughan? Uh, I mean, especially in the blues um, genre of music, I think he distilled a lot of uh, the old-time players, their their styles, kind of the B.B. Kings, Albert Kings. Uh, he definitely uh, took some pieces from Hendrix, I think, into his uh, playing style. Um, I'm, I know he probably, like, did the... The, the bars uh, struggling touring playing gigs for ever and I think I think it was actually David Bowie kind of got him his big break um, on the Let's Dance album uh, there's some there's some guitar work by him on that and then of course he went on with the uh, Double Trouble having a nice string of uh, albums there and yeah he another tragedy there just career cut way too short. Um, he's influenced a lot of people um, since his passing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, well, I'll go ahead and give um, Steve's last pick here. And um, again, a guy that was definitely kind of, you know, was definitely a big for the time he came out and still, again, still going strong to this day. Um, He went with uh, Mike McCready. as he kind of puts in his notes here, uh, the best guitar player of his generation. He could play anything. His tone is unmistakable. He's technical and polished while still maintaining his full throttle wide open style that has entertained fans for over three decades. Pearl Jam, Mad Season, The Rockfords. Mike McCready can play anything and has done it while beating Crohn's disease. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a little interesting um, fun fact there for those that may not have known. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's pretty much, you know, like I said, he's pretty much best remembered for being with Pearl Jam, and um, he he did those other bands. I mean, he was also with Temple of the Dog. Um, again, just a guy that um, you know when you hear Pearl Jam's biggest hits, you hear those um, those guitar riffs of his, and he um, you know he just can bring it to the to the forefront. And again, he's um, he is still playing to this day. Um, like I said, he you know. He has gone on to kind of he's gone on to really have a good little um, career, um, and he is in um, you know we haven't mentioned I mentioned it but uh, majority of the people that we've we talked about here in both our Mount Rushmores um, are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, and he is one of them as part of uh, Pearl Jam so he definitely um, deserves that honor for being you know with one of the biggest bands of the '90s. Um, so I, I know nobody else um, nobody else had him on their list, but um, did you have anything else to say about Mike McCready? Oh, he's great, um, especially live. I mean, he's not uh, just a studio guy. He can he can bring it live. Um, he's, I think he's definitely 
one of the bigger disciples of Jimi Hendrix uh, with his playing style um, influences. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, the Crohn's disease. I know we had to keep basically a garbage can right off stage <laughs> just in case uh, an accident was coming. But uh, yeah, um, one, uh, one hell of a guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, I'll go ahead and give uh, my last entry on my Mount Rushmore. And again, this is kind of a personal pick for me because um, he, he is from my favorite band of all time. But I think um, what, he's, what he did for them um, – is you know is you know incredible um given you know his ability and his talent and i did go with um richie sambora uh from bon jovi or, well he's sadly not with them anymore but he's best obviously known with them um again just his you know his guitar riffs his um his incredible solos um just such a recognizable you know voice because he does sing and he's actually you know good singer because uh, he does have his own solo albums and um and he and John are just responsible for some of the greatest songs to ever come out during that time period. And it's, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, he's not with them anymore. Um, I kind of like to see hopefully one point he do, he does come back to them at some point. Um, but I do think that um, when you look back on it, he is definitely one of the, one of the best guitar players of all time as part of one of the biggest bands of all time. And he should definitely not, he should definitely get a lot of uh, credit for what he was able to do with Bon Jovi and help make them, make them into one of the biggest bands of all time. So um, he did not make anybody else's list, but um, did you have anything else to say about Richie Sambora? Well, I think he's underrated definitely. Um, And had, just as much uh to do with bon jovi's success as 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 john did really which i i feel like you know i don't think they've been as successful without him uh either in the albums or live um and i think correct me if i'm wrong i think one of their uh performances on one of the awards shows when they did an acoustic number inspired mtv to do unplugged i might be just <laughs> no you're right it was um i think it was the i think it was the, the vmas that they okay. did um yeah they did uh living on a prayer and wanted did our live acoustic and um and yeah that pretty much was the um like i said was the inspiration for unplugged so yeah that's a a whole other influence of a a fad of uh, everybody doing unplugged kind of started with him playing live acoustic i mean i think that kind of brought it back down to uh, i guess the hair metal genre of being loud and 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 head banging but uh, he had some real instrumentation going on there mm-hmm. yeah definitely um all right well you are the only one anybody left on your Mount Rushmore so why don't you go ahead and give us your final um your final pick okay um I had to go with in my opinion probably the benchmark of hard rock uh I went with Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin um from you know basically 68 to 80 uh, all the albums um Zeppelin is uh, just monumental in the history of of hard rock music and it's jimmy page's guitar playing songwriting i mean 
Some people knock him, uh, saying he's sloppy, but, you know, he will mess up a riff and come up with a new riff and write a new song, <laughs> basically. Um, um, I think that tandem with him and, and Plant, I mean, the whole band is just immensely talented, but, I mean, Jimmy, uh, coming from that um, Yardbirds um, proving ground of, as, as did Clapton and uh, Jeff Beck that nobody else has, has, has mentioned. Um, but I think Paige for me is the best guitarist to come out of that. I mean, you, you have the uh, the famous thing where I think it was in Wayne's World where, you know, there's, there's the sign on the guitar shop that says <laughs> no, no stairway, right? I mean, that's... <laughs> Don't play that song in here. So I mean, such an iconic song that that opening riff, uh, or and and then the incredible solo at the end is such a such a ride. I mean, they had so many songs and just yeah, Jimmy Page for me, probably my favorite uh, guitarist of all time. Yeah, no stairway. Denied. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, this I mean, you're pretty much on the money there. Um I had him as a as an honorable mention. Um I he pretty much is, you know I mean, when you think about what Led Zeppelin did um for the time they were around, he's definitely one of the driving factors behind that. Even and even before then, like you mentioned with the Yardbirds and um just his um his style just so you know impressive and like I said he, I mean obviously his the magnum opus obviously for Led Zeppelin is always going to be Stairway to Heaven and um and he definitely is one of the driving factors about that so I definitely um definitely agree with that um with that pick there and yeah kind of interesting you mentioned it um yeah nobody had um yeah I think when we talk about snubs yeah Jeff Beck not making uh anybody's list um but I think that just again goes to prove, you know, goes to prove, you know, I mean, you know, just everything that we've um, talked about, just, you know, everyone has their different, um, you know, opinions. But I know he's definitely a guy that's widely considered one of the greatest guitar players of all time. So I think, yeah, I think chops wise, he's great. I just I think he probably got hindered by never latching on to a group that had big hits, uh, especially outside of the Yardbirds. Um, but still technically proficient uh, guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, that will wrap up uh, the main list here. So we will uh, now talk about some of uh, our honorable mentions that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, I'll just quickly mention, since Aaron only had one on his that uh, on his honorable, oh, honorable mention that didn't get picked yet, um, he went with um, Vivian Campbell. Um, who, of course, had played with, um, started with uh, with Dio, um, had a little run with Whitesnake, um, also worked with uh, Thin Lizzy and a couple of other bands, but of course, um, is mainly now with um, Def Leppard. Uh, has been with them since '92. Uh, he took over for um, for Steve Clark after he passed away. Um, right. So he's been a part of you know some big um, some big bands throughout uh, the majority of the you know through some of their biggest. Uh, time frame so um and like i said now with um with def leppard so um i don't know if you had anything else to say about him really quick i mean he's he's been a rock and roll survivor uh, i have to give him that i mean he's played with some big groups and, and has had a nice run um 
it was a it was a monumental task to replace Steve Clark and Def Leppard, though. I mean, <laughs> Steve Clark was very good. Um, um, I don't. I'd, I'd say Clark was probably better than Campbell, but um, um, he's played with a lot of bands, and and uh, I don't know if he's his parts. Um, were differentiated as much as Bill Collin, the other guitarist in Def Leppard. I think they had a lot of uh, guitar interplay, maybe kind of like the Thin Lizzy um, influence. So it's kind of, kind of hard to tell who's playing what on those records, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's been around for a long time, so I can see why he would get mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um... Okay, well, I'll just um, quickly bring up a few honorable mentions that I had. Um, one that um, that did not make anybody else's list, which I'm kind of a little bit surprised surprised about. But um, again, I guess he's kind of one of those you know hit or miss kind of guys. But that's um, but I went with Prince. Um, honestly, he does have a great you know really good voice and is a great singer. But he is probably you know kind of similar to Jimi Hendrix in my opinion, better known for being a guitar, great guitar player. Um, and honestly, his um, defining kind of i think one of his defining performances will always be um at the uh, when he did the super bowl halftime show um and particularly of course did uh purple rain in the rain so yes. mm-hmm. um definitely one that will always be um be remembered i think he's definitely one that should be mentioned um and then the next two i had here um also made uh andy's honorable mentions so we'll kind of get them both out of the way um i did go go with um chuck berry um obviously kind of one of the early um Nice. I mean, he's basically called the father of rock and roll, um, kind of one of the first guys to um, kind of take the rhythm and blues and turn into that rock and roll style, had some really good songs throughout the years, um, and also kind of, you know, breaking a lot of barriers as one of the first um, African-American uh, rock and roll stars to kind of break out. Um, I know he's he's one that's kind of, um, his legacy has, you know, kind of taken a little bit of a hit, just from some of the, um, you know, abuse allegations that happened in the late in the late 80s um but i think that you can't you know argue what he was able to do as a performer as a guitar player and that he is definitely one of the um kind of like i said one of the early founders of rock and roll and um one of the building blocks to what we have today so he definitely um merits um merits a uh, mention um and then also had um in addition to andy we both had um slash of course from guns N' roses um also velvet revolver another guy that's you know very recognizable just from his you know his his iconic look with the hat and the sunglasses and you know he was definitely the um kind of the almost kind of the you know kind of the um the perfect compliment to axel rose despite their um kind of tumultuous relationship um you know, hearing his his guitar riffs and solos on like you know all the big hits, um, you know, was what really put Guns N' Roses on the map. And um, I think he definitely um, definitely deserves to get um, mentioned, at least in terms of being an album mentioned. So um, I don't know if you had anything else you want to say about those uh, those choices. Oh, I mean, they're all great mentions. I mean, Slash, GNR, just yeah, um, at their peak from like '87 to '92. Or, um, with um, those prime albums were were great, and his guitar playing were, was front and center on those, along with Axel's voice. Uh, as far as Chuck Berry, man, I wanted so I wanted to mention 
uh, Keith Richards, but if you mention Keith Richards, you pretty much have to mention Chuck Berry because it's like the line doesn't really diverge that much from between those two players. So I decided not to include either one of them, but obviously they're great, uh, especially Chuck Berry. I mean, Chuck Berry originated a lot of uh, what we know as, as uh, rock and roll. Uh, and then Prince, I mean, if we wanted to be honest with this, I mean, Prince probably should have been on both of these lists. And maybe he's just in his own category of Prince. <laughs> just, uh, uh, such a unique guy. Um, I think uh, another performance that's worth mentioning for him is his uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performance, where he actually did show off a lot of his uh, guitar soloing skills. And I think, I don't know why he never really made a more rock-centric album. You, you would have thought that, you know, I mean, he I always had, you know, one foot in the R&B. Uh, but I mean, he could he could if he wanted to do a rock album, he could he could because, I mean, he certain songs he, he showed off his guitar playing very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, interesting note here. Nobody uh, nobody mentioned Keith Richards. Um, kind of funny. You you said that. Um, yeah, he was he was that close but i was like man if i mention him a lot of a lot of the stones playing is the interplay between him and whoever the other guitarist is so it's like it's all about the songs not so much his soloing i guess (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, definitely. Um, okay, well, I know you have a couple of honorable mentions that haven't been talked about, so why don't you let us know what those are? Yeah, okay. So I'll just go down the list with um, – I mentioned uh, David Gilmour from Pink Floyd. Uh, there was a time when I was really into Pink Floyd, um, not so much anymore. Um, and then there are certain camps that they like everybody that's in Pink Floyd, and somebody's like a David Gilmour guy. Versus the Roger Waters guy, you know, since that the band basically kicked him out, Roger Waters out at one point. So it was the David Gilmore version of Pink Floyd. Um, but all through the records, his just very melodic, uh, tasteful solos on those songs are, are so memorable. Um, so that was one of them. And then I have uh, Joe Walsh, of course, from uh, James Gang. His solo material and uh, a big part of the Eagles' uh, later years. Um, probably, I went, I saw the Eagles in 2000 or 2001, and I will have to say that Joe Walsh is the best guitarist I've ever seen live. I have to give him that uh, that praise there. I mean, because he was soloing, it was incredible. Um, and he's just an interesting dude. Um, I also wanted to mention Mark Knopfler of uh, Dire Straits. I feel like, since we mentioned Jeff Beck earlier, I feel like Mark Knopfler is kind of like Jeff Beck if he was in a band that produced hits. <laughs> I think that's a, the closest comparison that I can make between those two. He's, I mean, he's also sang for them, but he's just got very tasteful, uh, picking uh, guitar style, um, that, and they had some major hits. 
And then finally, I went with uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, just that kind of southern bluesy, um, boogie uh, kind of just and and solos. Just he's I think he is ZZ Top to me. That's why they're still going today. Um, so yeah, that's that's all the ones I had to mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, good choices there. I mean, uh, you know, David Gilmore, what he was able to do, with, what he did with Pink Floyd, you know, you hear some of their biggest hits, and he has a lot of good influence on those. Um, Joe Walsh, what he did with the Eagles, particularly, the, you know, like you said, in the later part of their career. Um, Mark Knopfler, um, I mean, he's, you know, again, such great, good, you know, riffs and, you know, solos from for Dire Straits, and then, yeah, again, Billy Gibbons just you know with the iconic look, with the long, with the big long beard and the <laughs> right. sunglasses, and yeah, it's and um, yeah, it's, so definitely some um, some great choices there. Um, and um, I'll go through quickly again. Um, I know Andy had a whole bunch of uh, picks on here, um, so we'll just kind of go through them really quick. Um, kind of similar vein of, of Chuck Berry, he did also go with BB King. Kind of another, okay. you know, kind of guy that kind of incorporated blues with uh, with a rock style and, you know, also very distinct, you know, very distinguishable look and sound. Um, he also went with uh, Pete Townsend from The Who. Um, again, kind of another, you know, sound really recognizable for that time um, when The Who was at their peak. Um, we did. Um, it's funny. We mentioned um, Bono from the singers um, and the singers Mount Rushmore. He also did for he did have the edge as well for um, for guitar players. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of similar. I mean, kind of yeah. similar to Bono, you know, a guy that's, you know, you know, gave me the fact that he's got a nickname, I think, is you know, kind of, <laughs> right. you know, makes him stand out. But he does, you know, we hear a lot of, you know, when you hear you two songs, he you know, hears recognizable guitar playing there. Um he also did pick um, Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Um, obviously, he and Steven Tyler known for a long time as the Toxic Twins because of their very um, volatile relationship. But you know, you know, given credit, they've been able to hold it together for these last 50 years, and they're still going strong today. So they obviously have something you know that keep that you know that works between the two of them. Um, he did also have uh, George Harrison of the Beatles. Um, and also had a you know good solo run as well. Um, probably not on the same level as say like you know Paul or even even as John Lennon, who uh, Lennon did not make anybody's list. Um, but I but um, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought of Lennon more as a guitar player. I think I've, I think more of him as a singer. So right. um, so I had that. Um, he also did have um, Neil Young, um, kind of another you know big name nice. from that time from that time frame. Another very recognizable. Um, you know, sound and you know, for what he was able to do. Um, he also Godfather of Grudge. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. Um, he also put on um, Kirk Hammett from Metallica. Um, again, you when you think of Metallica, they have such a very distinct, um, distinct sound, um, particularly with their um, with you know his uh, guitar playing. So definitely um, um, very recognizable. And then the last one he had. Um, again, I might be, um, I might, um, be bad on the, um, pronunciation of the last name, but he has, um, Tony, um, I owe me, um, I O M M I from, uh, from black Sabbath. Um, so again, kind of, you know, a guy that's been there with, um, with Ozzy, with, with Ronnie James Dio. He was also in uh, Jethro Tull for a brief time. Um, 
and again, another guy just has such a um a distinct you know look and a distinct style for um for what he was for what they were what they were going for throughout their um throughout their careers. So um so those were the last ones that Andy had. So I don't know if you had anything else anything to say about any of those picks. Oh no, I really can't knock any of them. Um, all worth a mention um, in their own unique ways. Um, I think, especially the Edge, I think has probably done the most with guitar effects uh, than most guitarists, um, rather than his playing. Um, Sometimes I like you could listen to him playing the riff without the effects it sounds completely different than uh like the delay and chorus effects that uh, he applies to those songs um, um but it works within the uh framework of u2 i mean bb king you have to mention uh, a famous blues player um uh, with a a guitar he named Lucille. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all good picks, all worth a mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, that will go ahead and uh, wrap things up here. It's been a lot of uh, fun. We talked to a lot of great um, musicians, both on the, both singers and guitar players. Um, like I said, majority of them are currently in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and for good reason. And um, they will definitely go down in history as some of the greatest. So, um, but let's now talk about where everyone can find us on social media, and if we have um, anything we want to kind of direct them to. So, um, Ashley, um, I'm Ashley Cruz. I'm on Facebook. Uh, I think I still have a Twitter slash X or whatever they call that now. Um, Gamma Spidey, G A M M. A S P I D E Y on there. Um, my band has a Facebook page, Forging the Fable, and that's about it. All right. Um, I'll just kind of talk about what um, our three um, uh, three other guests who submitted lists, um, what they've got going on. Um, Aaron, you can typically find him over on the North South Connection feed um, as one half of No Holds Barred Wrong with JT. They've got some great stuff going on over there. Their main project is they are counting, they are ranking all the greatest, all the uh, WWE championship uh, cha- uh, changes. Um, they're basically going like match by match on a grading system. So um, lots of good stuff there. Be sure to check that out. And then they do other periodic stuff, whether it be drafts or. Um, pay-per-view ranking or pay-per-view um, drafting so be sure to check all that out um, as for Steve Bennett he also can be found on the North-South Connection as part of Cronoso um, where we're, go- we're going through basically the entire basically kind of timeline of the WWE um, our most recent episode we talked on um, the 1989 Royal Rumble um, so be sure to check that out he of course also does the um, the 24 inch podcast which Judging by the name, you can pretty much know what they talk about. So um, <laughs> be sure to uh, be sure to check that out. Um, as for Andy, um, you can typically find him on this feed. Um, he is my um, try host on Pop Goes the Classics, along with uh, Miranda Berthold, where we're going through all the Disney animated films. We 
did our most recent episode on Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which was a kind of a which was an interesting film to talk about. So our next one will be Lilo and Stitch, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, he also does um, a couple other pods on this um, on this feed, and he also does on the PTB Wrestling feed. Um, who's next? Along with Logan Crossland, where they're basically going, recapping um, NXT. Um, as it happens, so um, be sure to check all that stuff out. Um, as for me, um, I am typically here on this feed as well. As I mentioned, um, Pop Goes the Classics and also the video jukebox song of the day. Uh, mainly that's been me, Andy, and uh, Keith Langston, where we're, we're basically live watch a music video and just kind of discuss it. It's, you know, quick, easy podcast to listen to um, five days a week. Um, and I can also be found on the PTB Wrestling feed along with... Um, James Grunberg, we have Extreme Resurrection, where we're going through uh, ECW from 2006 to 2010. Uh, we are currently in the summer of 2007 on the on the uh, verge of the Great American Bash. Uh, we're about to get to the uh, transformation of Johnny Nitro into John Morrison as he continues his feud with CM Punk. And we kind of see the, um, the slow elevation of one uh, Big Daddy V on uh, ECW. So we'll see how, that's, um, how that goes along. Um, I can also be found over on the PTP Facebook group. Lots of good stuff there, including our current tournament where we are determining the greatest song of the 2000s. Uh, as of the time you listen to this, we'll probably be into round four um, as we are cutting down to the final 64. And we're getting down to the, uh, the nitty gritty here as we determine what the greatest song of the 2000s will be. So be sure to, uh, to get involved in that. With all that said, I will go ahead and say um, thank you for joining us. It's been this was a lot of fun, and we look forward to uh, to you listening to us again. So for Ashley Cruz, Aaron George, Steve Bennett, and Andy Atherton, I am Steve Riddle. This has been Mickey Matt Rushmore here on the PTP Pop Experience, and we will see you next time. <laughs>